0: Father, uh, wow, what a, what a beautiful song to remind us that your mercy is more. Father, our sin is so great. The darkness around us is so great. Um, the tribulation around us is great. But Jesus has overcome all of that because of the cross. Uh, so thank you for a, a, a band that leads us, Father, that reminds us of the gospel. And song, Father, it's such a beautiful thing to sit here with my brothers and sisters in Christ to shout the new good news of the gospel, to preach the gospel to ourselves as we sing it, Father. So I'm just grateful to be here this morning with this Hope Point family. Thank you that your mercy is greater. Thank you for the cross. Without the cross, we wouldn't be here, Father. Without your work through Christ on the cross for us, God, we, we, wouldn't, we don't deserve any of this. So thank you for that. Thank you for the ability to gather as this group together, Lord, as we shout your praises. Uh, Father, we realize that those around the world don't get to experience this, and so we lift our brothers and sisters up right now all over the world that are suffering uh, because of your namesake, that are being tortured, being kidnapped, can't eat because they love you so much and they're not ashamed of you. So would you give our brothers and sisters around the world this morning a special portion of grace to endure so that more can come into your kingdom. We pray for those that do not know you yet, uh, Father, that they would hear the word this morning and be called into your flock and become your child. Would you do that in this room through the preaching? Father, would uh, you speak through our brother Richard this morning? Endow Him with great power, not for His sake, but for Your sake, for ours, Father, that You would penetrate our hearts this morning with the Word. We know Your Word does not return void, and so we trust that it will do its work this morning. So would You do that in a great way here and around this city, that many will come to know You, that many will see Jesus Christ high and lifted up and say, I need Him desperately this morning. Would You do that in Christ's name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. So we're not meeting July 7th. It's the first I've heard of this. I now, I, Lisa and I wanted to meet, and we are, so we invite all of you to come to our house for coffee and some buns on July 7th, Says Dan doesn't want to meet. No, actually, it's amazing. July 7th, just even one Sunday alone uh, to move this entire church is, uh, is going uh, to be a great accomplishment. So thank you for the liberty and come back tonight this afternoon at 4 o'clock to hear more of the why, why, why of doing this, but I can assure you it's, um, it is great and healthy and, and honoring to the Lord and to, this, and to this body. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've professed Him as the Lord of your life, the rest of your life will basically be composed of three activities, and that is you will be engaged in things that you are to Things that you are to flee from, things that you are to flee to, and things that you are to fight for. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, you are to my little clicker's not working, you guys can help me in the back. You to flee from sin, flee to Jesus, and fight for faith. I base these statements of the fleeing from, the fleeing to, and the fighting for, based on a statement in First Timothy chapter six. Again, you'll just got to follow me. First Timothy six eleven. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith, and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. As you might know, the New Testament book of 1 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul, who is in prison, written to a young disciple named Timothy. Timothy realizes that because of Paul's preaching, it caused him to end up in prison. Timothy, who's now the new pastor of the church of Ephesus, will very likely end up in prison as well. Paul is awaiting his execution Timothy doesn't know what his future will be like, but probably that of suffering. So Paul writes to Timothy this this urging of endurance because he knew that young, intimidated Timothy would likely be persuaded to depart from the call to endure. If you want to know why I'm preaching on this text today, it's become dear to me within the past week because I've recently been in the presence of four precious young Timothys. When I was gone last week overseas to Asia, we were helped in our work in a new city for us as a church that we're praying that God would open a wide door. We were helped in our conversations and our witnessing and our sharing with pastors In our outreach to Muslims, these four Timothys, these translators, became very dear to our team from Hope Point. And so before we would go out every morning, we took these young Timothys, these translators, who were well-versed in not just language, but in the specific strategies we were using to reach out to Muslims, They were so well-versed in strategy that we wanted to pour into them, so we took them through the book of 1 Timothy. My assignment at the end of the week was to take them through 1 Timothy chapter 6. This time last week, I had the privilege of worshiping for the first time in my life in a congregation, a fellowship, a church of every believer had come from a Muslim background. And... Like all those who come out of Islam, they wanted to please Allah. They had tried through religious ritual and efforts and sacrifices and religious works only to feel an increasing hopelessness of pleasing God. But then they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard about his miraculous birth and his miraculous life his power over disease and death and nature, his willingly giving up his life on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world and his resurrection from the dead and his promise to come back and make all things new. And all of these formerly Muslim background, precious souls were now raising their arms in praise to Jesus Christ. And how wonderful it was, the first time I've ever been in a prayer meeting where the pastor asked, do you have prayer requests today? And every single one of them was a prayer request for a family member still bound by Islam. Would you pray for the salvation of my mother, my father, my grandfather, my grandmother? And so, my last day there with these young men was with First Timothy chapter 6, and shockingly, I've never preached through the chapter, so it was good for me to open it up and to see what was in there, and so I thought I would just bring it here today, the truths that became so dear to my heart last Sunday morning before we went out for our last visit in the community. So let's just jump right in. What should you flee from? Paul says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. And it's a fleeing from evil. So God calls us to flee from evil, flee to Christ, fight for faith. Fleeing from evil. What was the evil in 1 Timothy chapter 6? It was the love, the lust after stuff. Money. This is the verse right before the fleeing. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You're just going to have to take my word for this but if you read all the verses that lead up to this, this is what the book of 1 Timothy chapter six is about. It begins with Paul addressing Timothy who is to address his church. There were some people in some very unfair and undesirable circumstances in the workplace and Paul said, I know you don't like being a slave. You don't even necessarily like if you're free who you're working for, this feels unfair, this feels unreasonable, but the main thing that you need to consider when you're away from this church building is to make sure that God's name and the teaching related to the gospel is never slandered. The most important prayer in the Bible, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's all we think about as believers The protection of God's honor out there. Well, that was Paul's advice. Along come some religious charlatans. And when it gets Paul's advice and said, Jesus Christ has come to set you free, you need to revolt at work. You need to rebel and claim your freedom. You don't have to be under anybody's authority you don't like. Well... Obviously, that's very popular teaching. It's a lot more popular to tell somebody to revolt anarchy than it is to submit when injustice is being done to you. That'll really fly. And so the religious hucksters, the charlatans, were making lots of money by drawing crowds saying, God wants you to be free from all hardship. How do you think Kenneth Copeland has acquired $330 million by lying to God's people and saying, God, in the name of Jesus, will free you from all disease, hardship, financial ruin, It's real popular to say those kinds of things. And so Paul knew that Timothy, preaching the gospel, himself suffering, watching his church suffer, might be tempted to start preaching like a charlatan. And so Paul tells Timothy, you need to flee from that heresy. You need to run away from the desire to use ministry to get money. Run. There are some things in life that you sort of can like battle with. I got I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna raise the sword of the spirit and listen, there's other, there are sins that are so strong. The best thing for you to do, not hang around, run. And the love of money, the pursuit, the chasing after wealth. Is one of the things you need to run from. Whenever you feel like you're getting hungry for lustful toward gain, you need to run. So he says, Timothy, you're a man of God. You're not mastered by money, you're mastered by Jesus. You need to flee from all this. You have a calling on your life. Flee, flee heresy, flee a cheap gospel that ruins people by set, setting them up for false beliefs not only flee from sin but flee to Jesus 1 Timothy 6:11 Timothy you need to pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness. If I didn't have this Bible reference up there and I just read those words, might, where, you, where, where might you think they come from? I would think that looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, was just a, which is just a photograph of Jesus. So Paul says, pursue righteousness. That's a God-birthed, God-honoring morality. Righteousness, godliness, this is a relationship with God that depends on your devotion and surrender to his will. Faith would be this battle that we'll look at later. The the feeding of your soul, the truths of scripture that say God is good and he's reliable and he will use all things in life to get you to a good ending, Love. What this world needs more than anything is to see that this hope of the gospel is is loving. And so Paul tells Timothy, You little animated piece of dirt that God breathed into and made into a man and then was patient with during your rebellion, you need to love other people like God has loved you, Timothy. Love people, it's attractive. And it makes the gospel attractive. You know, our lives should be, you know, for those of you at Christmas, who you got your nice house, and then you put a spotlight right in the front, in the yard, and it shines on your door where your wreath is. Your wreath is already pretty. Your door is already pretty. But what's the spotlight do? It draws attention to the house. That's what love does. Love draws attention to the gospel. Endurance, it means when when, when times are hard, don't call the wambulance. Just endure. Endure hard people, endure hard circumstances. Everything's always going to be telling you to quit, which is always the wrong message. And gentleness, respond to unbelievers and even wayward church members with a gentle spirit. Be gentle. So there are things you need to flee from. There are things you need to flee to, Jesus, His character. And finally, where I really want to anchor down today, there are things you need to fight for. And that is fight for your faith. 1 Timothy 6, 12, Paul to his young pastor, fight, Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. I love these verses. I can't get enough of verses like this. I just need every time I come to church for somebody just to remind me that it is so difficult to live as a Christ follower. All the opposition, conflict, confusion, mystery, disappointment, the waiting, the sorrow. Please tell me it's hard. And please tell me this doesn't mean that everything's wrong, but likely everything is right. Somebody tell me that again every Sunday. The devil is coming against you. Your flesh is coming against you. Culture is coming against you. And here in 1 Timothy 6, false teachers are coming against you. So the Christian life is a fight, an active, ongoing effort against all evil that seeks to destroy your confidence in God. Everything within you is going to tell you at times it's not worth it. It doesn't matter. The easier way is a better way. Comfort is better than hardship for Christ. Settle. Sell out for leisure. And Paul reminds Timothy, fight. Everybody wants to be strong. Until they realize it means you got to go to the gym when you don't feel like going to the gym. Got to press on when everything tells you to live in fear or doubt. You know, somewhere along the line, we sort of got the impression that when you become a Christian, you have all the faith that you need. Faith is ongoing, it's growing. You got a little faith when you got saved. You get more faith every time you read the word, come to church. You need more faith than you did a year ago. No coasting. No coasting. It is a good fight. Why is it a good fight? It's a good fight because what you're fighting against. Evil. Every time you come to church, open your Bible, pray, gather in a small group, hold a baby, teach children. Every time you do this in the name of Jesus, you are fighting evil. It's what I'm doing right now. It's what you're doing right now. This is a declaration of war against evil. That's what the singing is about in just a minute. Fighting evil through song. So it's a good fight because of what we fight against. It's a good fight because of who we fight with. When David and Ronnie and I took off to Asia last week, our plane landed. We had a seven-hour layover in London, which was just terrific. And we went over to Westminster Abbey. And every time I see that place, I just cannot help but love that place because that's where David Livingston, the 17-year veteran missionary to Africa, is buried And he says, the thing that sustained him against lion attacks and disease and loss was Christ's promise. I am with you always to the end of the age. It's a good fight because we don't fight alone. It's a good fight because Jesus is with you just as he was with the disciples. Just as Jesus Christ appeared to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18 as he was trembling as he thought about his ministry in Corinth. And Jesus appeared to him. That same Jesus is with you. That's what's a good fight. And finally, it's a good fight because of what we fight for. That's the liberation of people from darkness. It's a good fight because when we preach and when we teach and when we share and when we love and we speak truth, people are set free from eternal damnation and darkness and hopelessness and they find Christ. It's a good fight because of what we fight for that is, people coming to Christ. Paul then reminds us that the fight for faith is helped by remembering the outcome of our faith. Take hold, Timothy, Richard, Dan, Ronnie, Melanie, Zena, Laura, Chris, Dan, take hold, Dean, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I'm not really sure what Paul is talking about here when Timothy made this good confession. Maybe his baptism took a lot of guts in that day to be baptized just as it does where we were last week. talked to one pastor. He said, I have 11 new converts out of Islam, followers of Christ, but they've been following Christ a year now and are still frightened to be baptized because of what's coming. So Timothy made this great confession at some time in his life, I'm a Christ follower. Baptism, maybe. Maybe when he was called to ministry, I will preach the gospel. I'm going to pastor Ephesus. Maybe that was his good confession. But Paul said, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made that confession. You could be confused when you read that, and it sounds like that I have to fight in order to receive eternal life. You could go there, be wrong, could. What Paul is saying is, at the end of our fight, there is is eternal life. A gift, but it's that the end of the fighting is a gift. It's a gift now, but in its full, no doubt, at the end of the path. This is the way to look at this verse. Eternal life is a free gift. No one can earn it, but the path that leads to the prize, eternal life, that path Involves much spiritual combat. So at the end of a path is eternal life. That's a free gift. But that path, if you say, I want that free gift, that path is one of suffering. If you say, I don't want to suffer for Jesus, you don't have to. There's a path that leads to death. At the end of the path of ease, at the end of the path of sin, is death. At the end of the path Of suffering for Christ is life so take hold of that knowledge that all of your sacrifices you are walking on a path that leads to eternal life so take hold of it Timothy don't drop it don't drop your confidence Richard, don't drop your little sermons. Keep preaching. Don't say, I'm done. Don't do that, Timothy. No, no, no. No, no. Take hold of these truths of Scripture because they are life. They lead to life. They are life. Don't throw down your comments. You know, I told these guys these four Timothys that we were pouring into, and I wish you could have seen Ronnie, David, the discipleship that took place. You know, sometimes you think you're going somewhere because, like, I'm on a mission. Then you realize the mission is before the mission. Pouring into these four guys was as precious as anything, and David and Ronnie did it so beautifully. But the day that it was my turn to teach, I told those guys, I told them I was 58 years old, and think about this, if I, if I let go, I just let go of my calling. Think about this. All the people who have discipled me, all the prayers that God answered in my life, all the blessings he provided, all the sins he forgave, all the directions he revealed, all the knowledge he taught, all the skills he developed, all the experiences he arranged, If I quit, all of that is wasted. Take hold, Timothy. Don't waste your life. Now, the greatest motivation that Paul told Timothy about why you should hold on is because of the one that came before Timothy that held on to the great confession. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, I love this, a reminder, Creator God, whatever you need to finish your race, to glorify God, to do what you were supposed to do from the time you were a little baby to the time that you were an old man, everything you need, Creator God sees that. In the sight of of God who sees everything gives life to everything in underneath this canopy of this God and of Christ Jesus while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. So he said, Timothy, you make the good confession because he made the good confession. What confession? You remember that. Jesus, ours, from being nailed to a stick, crucified, humiliated, beaten. He could have gotten out of it. Pilate asked him, hey, are you a king? This is the good confession. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. You know what he's telling Pilate? Pilate is representative of the greatest civil power in the world, Roman government, Nero. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom is so great that there is not one place on earth that the Roman Eagle flies that I don't have jurisdiction over and beyond. My kingdom's greater than yours, Pilate. My kingdom is greater than the man who sits on the throne in Rome. And then he goes on with his great confession. The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That certainly sealed his fate there. He made the good confession. He made the good confession. No shouting, no arguing. Just a simple, authoritative statement. I am ultimate truth. Whew. So Paul's telling Timothy, don't give up on that message, Timothy. You keep saying, you be an echo. You be an echo of Jesus. Everything he said, you say. Keep growing in your belief. Don't let the opposing voices of flesh and culture and demonic oppression cause you to doubt and to fear. You keep saying the story. And here's the story that we presented over and over again last week. And by God's grace, hopefully in many years to come in this area of the world. Here's the story that every Muslim in the world needs to hear. as as well as the other 7.3 billion people on earth. 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped off his throne in heaven and was placed by God in the womb of Mary. From the day he was born on earth, he lived in perfect devotion to God. He fasted for 40 days and resisted all sin. His life was filled with supernatural power as he exercised authority over all nature disease, demons, and death. But in all of his power, he did not stop his own death. In fact, he predicted it. It was the purpose for which he came. At the end of his life, he chose to give his his life into the hands of his enemies, allowing them to kill him by crucifying him on a cross. His last words were, it is finished, which meant for he himself and his body was the great sacrifice that finally pleased a holy God. Man had always tried to bring sacrifices and religious works to God to try to please him. But through the life of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that would make it possible for anyone to be forgiven of any sin came by the gift of God. And this was proven. The forgiveness of sins was proven by the fact that Jesus rose from the dead three days after he was buried. And he appeared to many of his followers he ascended back to heaven where he is now inviting many people to come into his kingdom and one day he'll return to end all pain and suffering by destroying evil and making all things new. That's the message that we long for. Muslims around the world, Muslims in the United States and all unbelievers to hear. So Paul tells Timothy, keep Preaching this message. No matter how much you're rejected, Jesus who was rejected is standing beside you. He sees you. He will empower you, Timothy. Keep preaching the message. And finally, he says, there's one other thing you need to do as you're preaching this message. Make sure you keep preaching, keep this command, but do so with a life that is holy. Keep this command without spot or Blame. Culture is watching us right now to say, is there any truth to all of these words that we sing and teach? Is there a power that can change my household, my life, my family? Is there peace that can be really known on this earth? Can I have peace with God? And culture is watching, and what they're watching is, does our life match our words? And this could not be any more true in the Islamic world. After church last Sunday, we gathered with four men from that congregation that I was with. And we went around the room sharing our testimonies of how we came to Christ. The third one grew up in a very tense household, a lot of fighting, yelling very oppressive, he left as a teenager. Found a classmate from school that would take him in. And when he was in that household, he saw such love and such joy and such hope. He asked them, why are you like you are? And they said, because we're followers of Christ. And it was the love that he saw in that message that caused him to believe the words of Christ that he had heard all of his life but had previously rejected. Your life matters. Hope point. Let me tell you what Muslims think about America. They think that everybody in America is a Christian. And from what they can see on television, movies, and social media, a lot of people in America are infidels. So, therefore, they think Christianity produced by America is a religion of infidels because of the way we live. I look at Facebook posts from time to time and shudder that a Muslim might read it. There are some of you today who need to go home immediately and clear out a lot from your Facebook post. Sometimes it's hateful political speech that you'll see on Facebook. Sometimes it's semi-pornographic pictures that people post on Facebook. Facebook. Or other social media, Instagram. Sometimes it's boasting in the degree to which I can use alcohol at a party. Muslims are watching all of this out of America. And they think it's our Christianity. And a lot of times it is. So you might be saying today, you don't have the right to tell me how to live. Well, you're just like the people in First Timothy chapter six that wanted to revolt against their hard circumstances. Paul, you don't have the right to tell me how to live. If you claim Christ, I do have that right. To tell you, live in a way that is attractive to the world. And will validate your words and will da- validate the preaching of this church, the singing of this church. Your life matters, believer. We could preach a thousand sermons and it all be undone by one gross misbehavior of this body. Your life matters. Your life matters. So how long do we keep speaking and living this way? Until Christ returns. I charge you keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we, will, and we know that he will appear the second time because he appeared what? First time. He's coming back. He'll keep his promise then because he kept his promise prior. Which God will bring about in his own time. Nobody knows. My preference is today. Which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler. King of kings and Lord of lords and how precious the very title that's given to God here in 1st Timothy 6 is given to Jesus Christ in Revelation 17 God the Father King of kings Jesus Christ King of kings and that is why he can save you. He is God. Let's pray. Oh Jesus, I just thank you for saving me. A lump of clay molded, oh God, in your precious hands into a very beautiful, complex human being full of potential, able to think and move and work and laugh and have a family, have relationships. Thank you, God, for life. And then, God, thank you for your patience with this lump of clay that many times chose rebellion over submission and all the while god that i ignored your glory and your holiness you waited you worked you sent people and sermons and then that precious day when you opened my eyes my heart was able to see and love the glory of jesus christ and i saw that he was god i saw his sacrifice i saw his resurrection and I thank you, God, Lord Jesus Christ, that your Holy Spirit now lives in this body. Thank you for the eternal life that waits me, awaits for me at the end of this path. Help me to suffer well, to work hard, to believe, to trust, to not quit because of fear. And I pray this for all those that have had the privilege of their ears hearing truth today. May we finish well to the glory of God, to the joy that belongs to every believer who submits and obeys and enjoys Jesus in a walk every day. And God, may our lives be used that the nations, the nations would applaud Christ as King and be part of his eternal family, saved and forgiven forever by the one who's making all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.